0: Hello there, and welcome to Down to Sleep. This is my podcast of softly spoken audiobooks and bedtime stories to help you get a good night's rest. Please do leave a positive review, a thumbs up, or five stars on whatever app you're listening on. If you would prefer to listen on YouTube, then head over to youtube.com slash down to sleep. There is also a Patreon where you can support me and the podcast and get two readings every week. Members of the Patreon hear everything first and get to vote on what books I read next and prioritize. So come and join me at patreon.com slash sleep You can find links to those and my Instagram in the info for this episode. Let's go ahead and take a nice deep breath. Let's tuck you in and let's get down to sleep. Chapter 23. Square suites that look round Everybody stopped and crowded to the door. The top half of the door was made of glass. Grandpa Joe lifted Charlie up so that he could get a better view. And looking in, Charlie saw a long table. And on the table, there were rows and rows of small white square-shaped sweets. The sweets looked very much like square sugar lumps, except that each of them had a funny little pink face painted on one side at the end of the table a number of Oompa Loompas were busily painting more faces on more sweets there you are cried mr wonka square sweets that look round they don't look round to me said mike tv they look square said veruca salt they look completely square but they Ah, square, said Mr. Wonka. I never said they weren't. You said they were round, said Veruca Salt. I never said anything of the sort, said Mr. Wonka. I said they looked round. But they don't look round, said Veruca Salt. They look square. They look round, insisted Mr. Wonka. They most certainly do not look round, cried veruca salt veruca darling said mrs salt pay no attention to mr wonka he's lying to you my dear old fish said mr wonka go and boil your head how dare you speak to me like that shouted mrs salt oh do shut up said mr wonka now watch this he took a key from his pocket and unlocked the door and flung it open. And suddenly, at the sound of the door opening, all the rows of little square suites looked quickly round to see who was coming in. The tiny faces actually turned towards the door and stared at Mr. Wonka. There you are, he cried triumphantly. They're looking round. "'There's no argument about it. "'They're square sweets that look round.' "'By golly, he's right,' said Grandpa Joe. "'Come on,' said Mr. Wonka, "'starting off down the corridor again. "'On we go. "'We mustn't dawdle.' "'Butterscotch and buttergin,' it said "'on the next door they passed. "'Now that sounds a bit more interesting,' "'said Mr. Salt, Veruca's father.' Glorious stuff, said Mr. Wonka. The Oompa all adore it. Listen, you can hear them in there now, whooping it up. Shrieks of laughter and snatches of singing could be heard coming through the closed door. They're drinking butterscotch and soda. They like that the best of all. Butter gin and tonic is also very popular. Follow me, please. We really mustn't keep stopping like this he turned left. He turned right. They came to a long flight of stairs. Mr. Wonka slid down the banisters. The three children did the same. The adults in the party were now getting very out of breath. Mrs. Salt was so out of breath, she was blowing like a rhinoceros. "'This way,' cried Mr. Wonka, turning left at the bottom of the stairs. "'Go slower,' Panted Mrs. Salt. Impossible, said Mr. Wonka. We should never get there in time if I did. Get where? asked Veruca Salt. Never you mind, said Mr. Wonka. You just wait and see. Chapter 24 Veruca in the Nut Room. Mr. Wonka rushed on down the corridor. The Nut Room, it said on the next door that they came to. All right, said Mr. Wonka. Stop here for a moment and catch your breath and take a peek through the glass panel of this door. But don't go in, whatever you do. Don't go into the Nut Room. If you go in, you'll disturb the squirrels. Everyone crowded around the door. Oh, look, Grandpa, look, cried Charlie. "'Squirrels!' shouted Veruca Salt. "'Crikey!' said Mike TV. It was an amazing sight. One hundred squirrels were seated upon high stools around a large table. On the table there were mounds and mounds of walnuts, and the squirrels were all working away furiously, shelling the walnuts at a tremendous speed. These squirrels are specially trained for getting the nuts out of walnuts, Mr. Wonker explained. Why use squirrels? Mike TV asked. Why not use Oompa Because, said Mr. Wonka, Umpalumpers can't get walnuts out of walnut shells in one piece. They always break them in two. Nobody except squirrels can get walnuts whole out of walnut shells every time. It is extremely difficult. But in my factory, I insist upon only whole walnuts. Therefore, I have to have squirrels to do the job. Aren't they wonderful? The way they get those nuts out. And see how they first tap each walnut with their knuckles. To be sure, it's not a bad one if it's bad. It makes a hollow sound, and they don't bother to open it. They just throw it down the rubbish chute. There, look, watch that squirrel nearest to us. I think he's got a bad one now. They watched the little squirrel as he tapped the walnut shell with his knuckles. He cocked his head to one side, listening intently. Then suddenly, he threw the nut over his shoulder into a large hole in the floor hey mummy shouted veruca salt suddenly i've decided i want a squirrel get me one of those squirrels don't be silly sweetheart said mrs salt these all belong to mr wonka i don't care about that shouted veruca i want one "'All I've got at home is two dogs and four cats "'and six bunny rabbits and two parakeets "'and three canaries and a green parrot and a turtle "'and a bowl of goldfish and a cage of white mice "'and a silly old hamster. "'I want a squirrel.' "'All right, my pet,' Mrs. Salt said soothingly. "'Mummy will get you a squirrel "'just as soon as she possibly can.' "'But I don't want any old squirrel,' Veruca shouted." I want a trained squirrel. At this point, Mr. Salt, Veruca's father, stepped forward. Very well, Wonka, he said, importantly, taking out a wallet full of money. How much do you want for one of these squirrels? Name your price. They're not for sale, Mr. Wonka answered. She can't have one. Who says I can't? shouted Veruca. I'm going in to get myself one this very minute. Don't, said Mr. Wonka quickly, but he was too late. The girl had already thrown open the door and rushed in. The moment she entered the room, one hundred squirrels stopped what they were doing, turned their heads, and stared at her with small, black, beady eyes. Veruca Salt stopped also. And stared back at them. Then her gaze fell upon a pretty little squirrel, sitting nearest to her at the end of the table. The squirrel was holding a walnut in its paws. All right, Veruca said, "I'll have you." She reached out her hands to grab the squirrel, but as she did so, in that first split second. When her hand started to go forward, there was a sudden flash of movement in the room, like a flash of brown lightning, and every single squirrel around the table took a flying leap towards her and landed on her body. Twenty-five of them caught hold of her right arm and pinned it down. Twenty-five more caught hold of her left arm and pinned that down. Twenty-five caught hold of her right leg and anchored it to the ground. Twenty-four caught hold of her left leg. And the one remaining squirrel, obviously the leader of them all, climbed up onto her shoulder and started tap-tap-tapping the wretched girl's head with its knuckles. Save her, screamed Mrs. Salt. Veruca, come back. What are they doing to her? They're testing. To see if she's a bad nut, said Mr. Wonka. You watch. Veruca struggled furiously, but the squirrels held her tight, and she couldn't move. The squirrel on her shoulder went tap-tap-tapping the side of her head with his knuckles. Then all at once, the squirrels pulled Veruca to the ground and started carrying her across the floor. My goodness, she is a bad nut after all, said Mr. Wonka. Her head must have sounded quite hollow. Veruca kicked and screamed, but it was no use. The tiny strong paws held her tightly and she couldn't escape. Where are they taking her? yelled Mrs. Salt. She's going where all the other bad nuts go, said Mr. Willy Wonka. Down... The rubbish chute. "'By golly, she is going down the chute,' said Mr. Salt, staring through the glass door at his daughter. "'Then save her,' cried Mrs. Salt. "'Too late,' said Mr. Wonka. "'She's gone.' And indeed, she had. "'But where?' asked Mrs. Salt, flapping her arms. "'What happens to the bad nuts? Where does the chute go to?' That particular chute, Mr. Wonka told her, runs directly into the great big main rubbish pipe, which carries away all the rubbish from every part of the factory, all the floor sweepings and potato peelings and rotten cabbages and fish heads and stuff like that. "'Who eats fish and cabbage and potatoes in this factory? I'd like to know,' said Mike TV. "'I do, of course.' "'answered Mr. Wonka. "'You don't think I live on cacao beans, do you?' "'But, but, but,' spluttered Mrs. Salt, "'where does the great big pipe go to in the end?' "'Why, to the furnace, of course,' Mr. Wonka said calmly. "'To the incinerator.' "'Mrs. Salt started to scream. "'Don't worry,' said Mr. Wonka. "'There's always a chance they've decided not to light it today.' "'A chance!' yelled Mrs. Salt. "'My darling Veruca, she'll... she'll... she'll be sizzled like a sausage.' "'Quite right, my dear,' said Mr. Salt. "'Now see here, Wonka,' he added. "'I think you've gone just a shade too far this time. "'I do indeed. "'My daughter may be annoying.' I don't mind admitting it, but that doesn't mean you can roast her to a crisp. I'll have you know I'm extremely cross about this. I really am. Oh, don't be cross, my dear sir, said Mr. Monker. I expect she'll turn up again sooner or later. She may not even have gone down at all. She may be stuck in the chute just below the entrance hole. And if that's the case, all you'll have to do is go in and pull her up again. Hearing this, both Mr. and Mrs. Salt dashed into the room, and ran over to the hole in the floor and peered in. Farooq, shouted Mrs. Salt. Are you down there? There was no answer. Mrs. Salt bent further forward to get a closer look. She was now kneeling right on the edge of the hole. With her head down and her behind sticking up in the air like a giant mushroom. It was a dangerous position to be in. She needed only one tiny little push, one gentle nudge in the right place, and that is exactly what the squirrels gave her. Over she toppled, into the hole, head first, screeching like a parrot. Good gracious me, said Mr. Salt, as he watched his wife go tumbling down the hole. What a lot of rubbish there's going to be today. He saw her disappearing into the darkness. What's it like down there, Angina? he called out. He leaned further forward. The squirrels rushed up behind him. Help! he shouted. But he was already toppling forward, and down the chute he went just as his wife had done before him, and his daughter. Oh dear, cried Charlie, who was watching with the others through the door. What on earth's going to happen to them now? I expect someone will catch them at the bottom of the chute, said Mr. Wonka. What about the great fiery incinerator? asked Charlie. They only light it every other day, said Mr. Wonka. Perhaps this is... One of the days when they let it go out. You never know. They might be lucky. Shhh, said Grandpa Joe. Listen. Here comes another song. From far away down the corridor came the beating of drums. Then the singing began. Veruca Salt sang the Umpalumpus. Loompas. Salt, the little brute, has just gone down the rubbish chute, and as we very rightly thought, that in a case like this we ought to see the thing completely through, we've polished off her parents too, down goes Veruca, down the drain, and here perhaps we should explain, that she will meet as she descends a rather different set of friends, to those that she has left behind, these won't be nearly so refined. A fish head, for example, cut. This morning from a halibut. Hello. Good morning. How do you do? How nice to meet you. How are you? And then a little further down, a mass of others gather round, a bacon rind, some rancid lard, a loaf of bread gone stale and hard, a steak that nobody could chew, an oyster from an oyster stew, some liverwurst so old and grey, one smelled it from a mile away, a rotten nut, a reeky pear, a thing the cat left on the stair, and lots of other things as well, each with a rather horrid smell. These are Veruca's new found friends that she will meet as she descends, and this is the price she has to pay for going so very far astray. But now, my dears, we think you might be wondering is it really right that every single bit of blame and all the scolding and the shame should fall upon Veruca's salt? Is she The only one at fault. For though she's spoiled and dreadfully so. A girl can't spoil herself, you know. Who spoiled her then? Who indeed? Who pandered to her every need? Who turned her into such a brat? Who are the culprits who did that? Alas, you needn't look so far to find out who those sinners are. They are... And this is very sad. Her loving parents, mum and dad. And that is why we're glad they fell into the rubbish chute as well. Chapter 25 The Great Glass Lift I've never seen anything like it, cried Mr. Wonka. The children are disappearing like rabbits. But you mustn't worry about it. They'll all come out in the wash. Mr. Wonka looked at the little group that stood beside him in the corridor. There were only two children left now, Mike TV and Charlie Bucket, and there were three grown-ups, Mr. and Mrs. TV and Grandpa Joe. Shall we move on? Mr. Wonka asked. Oh, yes, cried Charlie and Grandpa Joe together. My feet are getting tired, said Mike TV. I want to watch television. If you're tired, then we'd better take the lift, said Mr. Wonka. It's over here. Come on, in we go. He skipped across the passage to a pair of double doors. The doors slid open. The two children and the grown-ups went in. Now then, cried Mr. Wonka which button shall we press first? Take a pick. Charlie Bucket stared around him in astonishment. This was the craziest lift he had ever seen. There were buttons everywhere. The walls and even the ceiling were covered all over with rows and rows and rows of small black push buttons. There must have been a thousand of them on each wall, and another thousand on the ceiling. And now Charlie noticed that every single button had a tiny printed label beside it telling you which room you would be taken to if you pressed it. This isn't just an ordinary up-and-down lift, announced Mr. Wonka proudly. This lift can go sideways and long ways, and slant ways, and any other way you can think of. It can visit any single room in the whole factory, no matter where it is. You simply press the button and zing. You're off. Fantastic, murmured Grandpa Joe. His eyes were shining with excitement as he stared at the rows of buttons. The whole lift is made of thick, clear glass, Mr. Wonka declared. Walls, doors, ceilings, floor. Everything is made of glass, so that you can see out. But there's nothing to see, said Mike TV. Choose a button, said Mr. Wonka. The two children may press one button each, so take your pick. Hurry up. In every room, something delicious and wonderful is being made. Quickly, Charlie started reading some of the labels alongside the buttons. The rock candy mine, 10,000 feet deep, it said on one. Coconut ice skating rinks, it said on another. Strawberry juice water pistols. Toffee apple trees for planting in your garden. Exploding sweets for your enemies. Luminous lollies. For eating in bed at night. Mint jujubes for the boy next door. They'll give him green teeth for a month. Cavity-filling caramels. No more dentists. Stick jaw for talkative parents. Wriggle sweets that wriggle delightfully in your tummy after swallowing. Invisible chocolate bars for eating in class. Sugar-coated pencils for sucking Fizzy lemonade swimming pools Magic hand fudge When you hold it in your hand You taste it in your mouth Rainbow drops Suck them And you can spit in six different colours Come on, come on Cried Mr Wonka We can't wait all day Isn't there a television room in all this lot? Asked Mike TV Certainly There's a television room Mr Wonka said That button, over there. He pointed with his finger. Everybody looked. Television chocolate, it said, on the tiny label beside the button. Whoopee, shouted Mike TV. That's for me. He stuck out his thumb and pressed the button. Instantly, there was a tremendous whizzing noise. The doors clanged shut. And the lift leapt away as though it had been stung by a wasp. But it leaped sideways. And all the passengers, except Mr. Wonka, who was holding on to a strap from the ceiling, were flung off their feet and onto the floor. Get up, get up, cried Mr. Wonka, roaring with laughter. But just as they were staggering to their feet, the lift changed direction. "'and swerved violently round a corner, "'and over they went once more. "'Help!' shouted Mrs. T. V. "'Take my hand, madam,' said Mr. Wonka. "'There you are. Now grab this strap. "'Everybody grab a strap. "'The journey's not over yet.' "'Old Grandpa Joe staggered to his feet "'and caught a hold of a strap. "'Little Charlie, who couldn't possibly reach that high,' put his arms around Grandpa Joe's legs and hung on tight. The lift rushed on at the speed of a rocket. Now it was beginning to climb. It was shooting up and up and up on a steep slanty course as if it were climbing a very steep hill. Then suddenly, as though it had come to the top of the hill, and gone over a precipice, it dropped like a stone. Charlie felt his tummy coming right up into his throat, and Grandpa Joe shouted, "'Yippee! Here we go!' And Mrs. TV cried out, "'The rope has broken! We're going to crash!' And then Grandpa Joe looked down at Charlie, who was clinging to his legs, and said, "'Are you all right, Charlie?' charlie shouted i love it it's like being on a roller coaster and through the glass walls of the lift as it rushed along they caught sudden glimpses of strange and wonderful things going on in some of the other rooms an enormous spout with brown sticky stuff oozing out of it onto the floor a great craggy mountain made entirely of fudge with Umpalumpas roped together for safety, hacking huge hunks of fudge out of its sides, a machine with white powder spraying out of it like a snowstorm, a lake of hot caramel with steam coming off of it, a village of umpalumpas with tiny houses and streets and hundreds of umpalumpa children playing in the streets. And now the lift began flattening out again but it seemed to be going faster than ever. Charlie could hear the scream of the wind outside as it hurtled forward, and it twisted, and it turned, and it went up, and it went down, and— "'I'm going to be sick,' yelled Mrs. TV, turning green in the face. "'Please don't be sick,' said Mr. Wonka. "'Try and stop me,' said Mrs. TV. "'Then you'd better take this,' said Mr. Wonka." He swept his magnificent black top hat off his head, held it out upside down in front of Mrs. T.V.'s mouth. "'Make this awful thing stop,' ordered Mr. T.V. "'Can't do that,' said Mr. Monker. "'It won't stop till we get there. "'I only hope no one's using the other lift at the moment.' "'What other lift?' screamed Mrs. T.V.' "'The one that goes the opposite way on the same track as this one,' said Mr. Wonka. "'Holy mackerel,' cried Mr. TV. "'You mean we might have a collision?' "'I've always been lucky so far,' said Mr. Wonka. "'Now I am going to be sick,' yelled Mrs. TV. "'No, no,' said Mr. Wonka. "'Not now. We're nearly there. "'Don't spoil my hat.'" The next moment... There was a screaming of brakes, and the lift began to slow down. Then it stopped altogether. Some ride, said Mr. TV, wiping his sweaty face with a handkerchief. Never again, gasped Mrs. TV, and then the doors of the lift slid open. And Mr. Wonka said, just a minute now, listen to me, I want everybody to be very careful in this room. There is dangerous stuff around in here, and you must not tamper with it. Chapter 26 The Television Chocolate Room The TV family, together with Charlie and Grandpa Joe, stepped out of the lift into a room so dazzlingly bright and dazzlingly white that they screwed up their eyes in pain, and stopped walking. Mr. Wonka handed each of them a pair of dark glasses, and said, put these on quick, and don't take them off, whatever you do. This light could blind you. As soon as Charlie had his dark glasses on, he was able to look around him in comfort. He saw a long, narrow room. The room was painted white all over. Even the floor was white. There wasn't a speck of dust anywhere. From the ceiling, huge lamps hung down and bathed the room in a brilliant blue-white light. The room was completely bare, except at the far ends. At one of these ends, there was an enormous camera on wheels, and a whole army of Oompa Lumpas was clustering around it, oiling its joints and adjusting its knobs, polishing its great glass lens. The Oompa Lumpas were all dressed in the most extraordinary way. They were wearing bright red spacesuits, complete with helmets and goggles, at least they looked like spacesuits, and they were working in complete silence. Watching them, Charlie experienced a strange sense of danger. There was something dangerous about this whole business, and the Umpalumpas knew it. There was no chattering or singing among them here, and they moved about over the huge black camera, slowly and carefully, in their scarlet space suits. At the other end of the room, about fifty paces away from the camera, a single Oompa Loompa, also wearing a spacesuit, was sitting at a black table, gazing at the screen of a very large television set. "'Here we go!' cried Mr. Wonka, hopping up and down with excitement. "'This is the testing room for my very latest and greatest invention, television chocolate.' "'But what is television chocolate?' asked Mike TV.' "'Good heavens, child, stop interrupting me,' said Mr. Wonka. "'It works by television. "'I don't like television myself. "'I suppose it's all right in small doses. "'But children never seem to be able to take it in small doses. "'They want to sit there all day long, "'staring and staring at the screen.' "'That's me,' said Mike TV. "'Shut up,' said Mr. TV.' "'Thank you,' said Mr. Wonka. "'I shall now tell you how this amazing television set of mine works. "'But first of all, do you know how ordinary television works? "'It's very simple. "'At one end, where the picture is being taken, "'you have a large cine-camera, "'and you start photographing something. "'The photographs are split up into millions of tiny little pieces.' which are so small that you can't see them. And these tiny little pieces are shot out into the sky by electricity. In the sky they go whizzing around all over the place until suddenly they hit the antenna on the roof of somebody's house. They then go flashing down the wire that leads right into the back of the television set. And in there they get jiggled and joggled around until at last every single one of those millions of tiny pieces is fitted back into its right place just like a jigsaw puzzle and presto, the photograph appears on the screen that isn't exactly how it works Mike TV said you do tend to mumble Mr. Wonka said you must forgive me if I don't hear everything you say I said That isn't exactly how it works, shouted Mike TV. You're a nice boy, Mr. Wonka said, but you talk too much. Now then, the very first time I saw an ordinary television working, I was struck by a tremendous idea. Look here, I shouted, if these people can break up a photograph into millions of pieces and send the pieces whizzing through the air and put them together again at the other end, why can't I do the same with a bar of chocolate? Why can't I send a real bar of chocolate whizzing through the air in tiny pieces and put the pieces together at the other end, all ready to be eaten? Impossible, said Mike TV. You think so, cried Mr. Wonka. Well, watch this. "'I shall now send a bar of my very best chocolate "'from one end of this room to the other by television. "'Get ready. "'There, bring in the chocolate.' Immediately, six Oompa marched forward, carrying on their shoulders the most enormous bar of chocolate Charlie had ever seen. It was about the size of the mattress that he slept on at home. "'It has to be big.' mr wonker explained because whenever you send something by television it always comes out much smaller than it was when it went in even with ordinary television when you photograph a big man he never comes out of your screen any taller than a pencil does he here we go then get ready nope uh, nope no, stop hold everything you there mike tv stand back you're too close to the camera there are dangerous rays coming out of that thing. They could break you up into a million tiny pieces in one second. That's why the Oompa Loompas are wearing space suits. The suits protect them. All right, that's better. Now, switch on. One of the Oompa Loompas caught hold of a large switch and pulled it down. There was a blinding flash "'The chocolate's gone!' shouted Grandpa Joe, waving his arms. "'He was quite right. "'The whole enormous bar of chocolate had disappeared completely into thin air. "'It's on its way,' cried Mr. Wonka. "'It is now rushing through the air above our heads in a million tiny pieces. "'Quick, come over here!' he dashed to the other end of the room." the large television set was standing the others followed watch the screen he cried here it comes look the screen flickered and lit up then suddenly a small bar of chocolate appeared in the middle of the screen take it shouted mr wonka growing more and more excited how can you take it asked mike tv it's just a picture on a television screen Charlie Bucket, cried Mr. Wonka, you take it, reach out, and grab it. Charlie put out his hand and touched the screen. Suddenly, miraculously, the bar of chocolate came away in his fingers. He was so surprised he nearly dropped it. Eat it, shouted Mr. Wonka. Go on, eat it, it'll be delicious, it's the same bar. "'It's got smaller on the journey, that's all.' "'It's absolutely fantastic,' gasped Grandpa Joe. "'It's... a miracle.' "'Just imagine,' cried Mr. Wonka, "'when I start using this across the country. "'You'll be sitting at home, watching television, "'and suddenly a commercial will flash on the screen "'and a voice will say, "'Eat Wonka's chocolates. "'They're the best in the world. "'If you don't believe us, try one for yourself.' now and you simply reach out and take one how about that eh terrific cried grandpa joe it will change the world and that is where we close the book tonight on charlie and the chocolate factory and on this episode of down to sleep thank you so much for joining me tonight